This morning, um, we're going to be in Matthew 9, and I'll be honest, if you would have asked me last week, are we going to be in a different series, I would have said yes, because when I left this place last week, I thought, okay, that was a good close, hallelujah, amen, let's go to the next thing, and um, it quickly became apparent to me that God's not done with this yet. He had one more thing in the basket, and this morning, I'm so thankful that he has one more thing in the basket So this morning, we're going to continue on the series called The Good News. And I know you hear that. Yeah, I love The Good News. You can clap that. You can can amen that. Thank you, three people. I love me. Yeah. And me me and you two, we're going to be in heaven. I don't know about everybody else, but it'll be good to see you there. Um, I'm just kidding, obviously. But The Good News is something to be excited about. I believe that. I love the good news. Without the good news, I'm hopelessly lost and broken forever, heading into an eternity separated from God. But the good news is Jesus came. And I love that today that's not the good news for me, right? I mean, it is, but it's not just for me. It's not the good news inside of these walls. I mean, it is, but it's not just inside of these walls, good news. And it's, it's not just the good news for the church. It's the good news for the world. See, the reality of it is nobody's born saved. If that's your theology, you need to talk to me later because you're lost. You didn't get born that way. The Bible says we were born dead and separated from God. That because of our trespasses and sins, we were dead. Not bad, not sinners, not messed up, not didn't have it together. The problem today is much greater than that. It's not a problem of good and bad. It's not some wrestle between good and evil today. It's a struggle between death and life. And see, in reality, maybe we're born with some breath in our lungs, and maybe we're born with a heartbeat, and I call that grace because God's given us a chance to have a little bit of time to see what He's done and who He is. And hopefully, just hopefully, somebody's going to come by and they're going to deposit the good news that we don't have to stay dead in our life, but there was a man named Jesus who came. It's not try to clean up your act or get better. It's a man named Jesus came and he came to live a perfect life in our place. And at the end of his days, what he did is he was punished for our sins. He didn't have any sins of his own, so he took ours. He became our sacrifice. He became our spotless and unblemished lamb. And he chose, not was punished to or was ordered to, but he chose to take up our cross and to die on our cross, our death, and to take our sin and our shame and to quit breathing so that we could still have an opportunity to have breath. But it didn't end there, did it? Jesus didn't stay dead. See, if Jesus stayed dead, he's just like me. There's no hope in that man. Jesus was buried. They put a stone in front of the door not to keep him in, but to keep people out. And Jesus couldn't stand it. So he got somebody to roll the stone away and he come up out of the grave. So today we could visit not a full grave or a a, a full tomb, not some monument to where our Savior used to be or still is today, but so we could come in and see the death had no hold on him. And if he had no hold on him through him, he has no hold on us. That's the good news today. And that's not just good news for good people. Thank God, because I'm not a good person. That's good news for all people. And I love this idea of news. I love that God just chose the word gospel for the gospel, right? The good news, because the whole idea of news is that it's meant to be shared. I think I have the definition, maybe just one more time, of news up there. News is newly received or noteworthy information. Maybe to you it's old news, but it's still news, right? It's still noteworthy 
information, especially about recent or, here's the key, important events. Still good news today. Maybe it happened 2,000 years ago, but here's the news flash. It's still good news today. It's not old. It's not out of date. It's the way from death to life for all people. There's no other way. Right? What did Jesus say? I'm the way. He didn't say I'm a way or I'm a possibility. Or maybe if you get lucky enough to hear this, then you can come this way. But there's other ways. You see, it's not that simple. He's the way. The only way. Every other way is the wrong way. Every other way is the wrong turn. And without somebody inserting this news that you need to turn around and go towards the way, you're going the wrong way. And the wrong way keeps you in death. See, news is important stuff to us, isn't it? Maybe you don't like to watch the news. Somebody actually said to me this week we were in a hotel room and I had the news on and they were like, oh, you really do like the news. Yeah, I really do. I'm weird. I just sit around and watch the news all the time. Like it's what I do. News are cartoons. I'm kind of weird, wide spectrum right there. Um, that's, that's just me. And I like the news. News is important stuff. I just believe that. I believe if you don't really know what's going on, then, then maybe you should get to know what's going on. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I enjoy the news. You don't have to watch it, but I like it. But the whole idea of news is that news was meant to be shared, right? Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. The whole idea of news is it's meant to be shared, and we have ways to do that. we got news channels, right? You can turn on the TV, and there's a bunch of them. You can go to whatever you like, whatever flavor of news you want. It's like really opinion, I guess, about recent events. But, I mean, you can go to whatever you want to go to, and you can watch that flavor of news. There's this thing called a newspaper. I know we talked about it. It's like archaic. I need to get one one day and just bring it in, display it. Um, If anybody has one, maybe you can just bring it in next week. Probably most of us have never seen one but they have newspapers, right? And it's written on this weird, like, whatever this is. It's not a screen. I don't even know how to describe it. But they have paper, right? And um, you, you can get the news off that. They'll even bring it to your door. I don't know how they do that. Truck, broomstick, bicycle. I don't know how that works today, but it gets there, right? It's magic. Uh, you, can, you can pull out your phone today, and you can be on the news in, like, seven seconds. Don't do that, please. Um, but you can do that. News is important stuff. And the good news is more important stuff. But the amazing thing is, Jesus didn't create the, like, Jesus Broadcasting Company to share the news, did he? That's a no, if you didn't know. It's not a trick question. There really is not one. Um, he didn't create, like, the, the, the Jesus Daily so we could get the good news. That's a newspaper. Some of you got that um, title. He didn't do that, um, and he didn't make some website to share it. He left a group of people to share it, and it's the church. So we've been talking about the past few weeks that actually if you've received the good news, you're automatically a carrier of the good news. I think it was amazing last week, that truth that we talked about, that if you know the good news and you're a follower of Jesus, you are inseparably bound to the good news. It's not a choice to share the good news. Your life is the good news if you know Jesus. And if your life looks like the bad news, well, maybe you're still living in the bad news. But the good news is there's a way up and out. And he left this church, this beacon to display that. It's not a choice if I'm going to use my words to do it it's all I can talk about it's not a choice if I'm going to live my life for Jesus it's the only reasonable response to what he has done you become the good news when you've seen and received the good news it's not about memorizing some set of passages. It's not about like trying to memorize and take somebody through the Roman road. It's, it's about knowing that Jesus has met you on the Roman road. 
that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God has changed your story, and now you're alive in Him. That's, that's all I know. I'll be honest with you. I, I sit up here and, and read the Bible because I don't have large passages of Bible memorized. I wish I did. Memorization is hard for me. I don't know why. It's just not a gift. It's not a spiritual gift that I have. Some of you like are annoying to me because you're like, oh, Romans 3, 2. And then you can like, what is that? Like, I'd have to Google that. Thank the Lord that he gave us the tool called the Internet and we can Google things. Um, because if not, I would be lost all the time. That's not a spiritual gift of mine. And if I had to wait till God give me that spiritual gift before I could ever tell somebody about Jesus, I'd be in some shape. But here's the deal. I know me. And I know my story. And I'm inseparably tethered to the story of God this morning. I'm in the story of God because he pulled me up out of his story. He put me, or he pulled me up out of my story. And he put me in his story. And this morning, if you know Jesus, that's true for you. And I, that's for free this morning. I didn't plan on any of that. I just want you to know. But this morning, one more time, we're going to talk about this idea that we are sharers of the good news, and we're going to do that in Matthew 9. Matthew 9, it's, it's amazing as you get there. Uh, Matthew is a, what we call a gospel. It's a life story of Jesus. It's kind of some compilation of things that Jesus did while he was on this planet, and it starts around birth, most of the gospels, and it ends around death, most of the gospels, and um, Matthew 9 is an amazing little, amazing little chapter. It talks about a lot of things that Jesus has done. And just in this chapter, we can see that Jesus has been a busy man. It even is titled, right? The Son of Man forgives and heals. It's like what he does. It's his title. It's what he's here for. And we see that Jesus didn't just do this one time on the cross, but as he walked around this planet, what he did actually was to forgive people and heal people. And Jesus is still doing that today. You could like literally drop my story down inside this story and, and it would fit. It goes through here and it just talks about a couple things that Jesus did just in nine, right? It's not everything he did. It's just some things he did. And it says in nine, about verse nine, there's this super title that says the call of Matthew. Notice a connection between the book and the call. Here we're about to see Jesus call a man named Matthew. Matthew was actually a man named Levi, and Jesus changed everything about him, including his name. He was a tax collector. If you don't know what that is, it's not a good thing. If you have to pay taxes, you know that. It's kind of a ripoff, but it is what it is, right? Um, and, and Matthew was this tax collector. He was a government-sanctioned thief, and he would go in and he would take money from people. If, if you owed $6 to the government and he could get 12 from you, he could keep the other 6 That's how Matthew made his living. And I, I just want to kind of remind you as we go through here that he would have been the worst kind of sinner. He would have viewed, been viewed by the people as one of the worst kinds of sinners. But here Jesus walks in to the story, and Jesus calls this man. He says, come follow me. And he changed everything about this man in this moment. So he changed not only his job and he changed not only kind of what he what he did for a living but he changed everything about him including his name and now he wasn't a man associated with sin anymore he was a man associated with the savior what we know about him from the moment he becomes Matthew on is not really he's a tax collector and he did horrible things is it we don't really know much of that story we just know that's where he started at but we know that when he become a follower of Jesus, man, there were some amazing things that he got to take part in. It says that Jesus, uh, he, he healed a woman. There was a woman who had an issue of blood for like 12 years. She had a blood disease, basically. And just in contact with Jesus for just a moment, he changed her from unclean to clean. 
An amazing thing. That's what Jesus does. We see that kind of in the same little section, in the same paragraph, he walks into a room where there's a girl that's dead and he, he calls her back to life. That's amazing to me. That Jesus speaks to death and he, and he calls people back into life. That's what he does. We see that Jesus, right after that, he heals two blind guys. There's two blind guys following him. Lord, have mercy. And he opens both their eyes. And then right after that, he cast out a demon. See, Jesus, he was busy doing what Jesus came to do. He came to save people and to heal people. And the story of Jesus shows that over and over and over again, that's what he does. He didn't just come to do it one time in one moment. He came to continuously save and continuously heal people. That's what he did. And in verse 35, which is kind of where we're going to land this morning, it says, Then Jesus went, or as Jesus went, to all the towns and villages he taught in their synagogues and we'll go on with that in just a minute but this is kind of the culmination of this chapter nine we get this moment where it's like jesus did so much stuff we can't write it all down isn't that crazy like we look at this and we're like this is the complete life of jesus everything that ever happened to jesus and there's some really cool stuff in there but here's the reality we couldn't even fit all the really cool stuff jesus did in the book of matthew matthew couldn't even he didn't have enough paper right to write down all the really cool stuff jesus did so he just kind of gets to 35 and he wants us to know that this is not everything jesus ever did actually this is just a small selection of some really amazing stories there were probably more amazing stories these are just the ones that matthew put wonder why he put his calling in there because it's an amazing story This is just a compilation of just a few things that Jesus has done. And he gets to 35 and he's like, I don't want you guys to think that's all he did when he walked around here. It says, then Jesus went. Not all that day. It's just what Jesus continued to do. Jesus went to all the towns and villages. Now, I don't know what towns and villages are, so I looked that up. And villages are basically um, smaller communities and towns are bigger communities. Like 1,000 to 20,000 people, I think, is the thing that you have to be to get called a town. And anything under that is a village. So Jesus just want, he wants us to know Jesus didn't only go to the big places. The important places, the places where full of people, the places where Jesus would have a big crowd. Jesus went to the little places. The places where maybe weren't even on the map. The places where maybe it was just like, hey, I walked by this little two-hut two kind of little community the other day, and I, and I had some stuff to do there. See, I think we kind of get in this trap sometimes where we think Jesus only deals with big things, right? Jesus only has time for the big things. Jesus only wants to do the big things. And, and what we do is we think that because Jesus only wants to do the big things, that the only thing worthy of our time is the big things. But see, the reality of it is Jesus didn't really care about big things or little things. He just did things. Some of us get in our mentality that if it's not a really big thing, it's maybe not worth it. If it's not going to touch a lot of people, it's not worth our effort. If, if we're not going to see a lot of people move or we're not going to amass a big crowd, it's not worth the thing. And Jesus is like, actually, one person is worth the thing. Amen. Last week we saw, right, like Jesus, Jesus went to this, or not Jesus, but he, he sent um, Paul into this town. And Paul was arrested And it seems like a really horrible thing is happening. But see, what God was doing was he was going after the jailer. He wasn't trying to send him into some big city. He was going after the one. That's our God. He's the one that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. So we see here that Jesus wasn't only concerned about the really big monumental things. He wasn't really concerned with drawing a crowd. He was concerned about what he could do just anywhere that it could be done. So he went to all the 
towns, yeah, the big places, but Jesus also went to the little places. And what I just want to say to you from that today is maybe you got a really big monumental thing, and I just want you to know Jesus is big enough. And maybe you think your thing is so small that God doesn't have time for it. And I just want you to know today that God has time for all the things. He doesn't view big things and little things. He just does things. So I don't know what we carried in here today. I say we because we all carried something in here today. But what I know is big thing, little thing, our God is big enough to get them all. So it says that Jesus went to all the towns, all the big places, and all the villages, all the little places. And here's what he was doing. He was teaching in their synagogues. That's basically just like Jewish church, right? They get together. They hear the word. They worship. It's what they do. Um, So just think of it kind of like this, but not this. Um, He went to all their synagogues, the places where these people would have been. And here's what he did. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jesus, right? Like literal embodiment good news. Actually, every story about Jesus that we can find is the good news, right? The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Are they stories about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? No, they're stories about Jesus. He's the living embodiment of the Gospel. He is the essence of the good news. But he didn't just call us to teach the good news and to tell the good news. Jesus actually left heaven and he came down to share the good news. And he didn't just go to like a one person, right? Jesus wasn't just like, hey, uh, Matthew, I just want to tell you the good news, and then I'm going to shove that off on you. He went to like everywhere, all the towns and all the villages, and he shared the good news. Here we have the good news sharing the good news with words, by the way. See, I think some of us hear sometimes, and I I think there was some saint, I don't don't really like the guy, but he said... um, what was it? Share the gospel often, and if necessary, use words. Some some stupid quote like that. It's horrible. Um, it's like the dumbest quote ever. And I get kind of what he's saying. He's saying that you should live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul said that. But what we hear is, oh, as long as I live as a good person, I don't ever have to open my mouth about Jesus. And that's a lie. If you love something, you talk about it. That's just how it is, right? You love a TV show? Do you talk about that TV show? Yeah, you do. And some people are like, oh, don't be hitting on my TV shows. Oh, don't be talking about my sports team. That's the heart of somebody who just is never going to share the gospel. You've made up your mind. You're not going to do it. And you throw all these excuses in there of, hey, I don't have to share the gospel because I'm going to live as a good person. Well, living as a good person doesn't point anybody to Jesus, does it? No, it doesn't. I've met immoral people and moral people, right? And some of those immoral people are in the church. And some of those moral people are outside of the church. And to be honest, if we could flip-flop a lot of times, I would assume that these moral people outside of the church were the Jesus people, and the immoral people inside the church were not the Jesus people. I would assume that if I was just watching that. So here's my question. If I don't know, how does the world know? Oh, my testimony, how I live, will be my witness. Yeah, it will be, because if you don't live and follow Jesus, nobody really cares what you say. I'll just be honest with you. But if you never say anything, nobody really cares how you live. True story. Amen, hallelujah. I know that hits, and you're like, oh, man, that hurts. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that either, but it's just truth of the Word of God, isn't it? And you don't get to decide what truth is. You just get to decide what you do with it. But Jesus here walked around the living embodiment of the gospel and he used his words to share the gospel. I guess if I could just sum that up, what I'm saying is if Jesus' life alone without words was not enough, why do you think yours is? 
because he was better at it than you. It's going to take words. If you're not willing to live for Jesus, please don't use them. Right? I'm not saying you can't sin. I sin. Amen. You can amen that. Amen. I sin. Maybe you don't know that. Maybe that's hard to believe. I'm a human just like you, and I have an evil, wicked heart. It says in the Bible, our hearts are deceptively wicked. That They'll actually lie to us and tell us we're good people, but they're not good people. Maybe to you, I look like a good person, but to God, standing beside God, man, I look like filth. I look like dirty rags. I don't have my life together. I don't have it figured out. I'm not anything special. I'm, I'm no different than you. I struggle with the same things or maybe different things, but still struggles than you do every single day. I wake up every morning and I live in a battle between flesh and spirit. I do that every single day. And some of you guys, you're, you're, you're all the way in with the flesh because you don't know Jesus yet. And you're like, man, I'm such a horrible, wicked person. Well, I just want you to know maybe you are, but so am I. And God's done something amazing in me. We're going to struggle with the flesh. But I want to say this to you, church. If you're not struggling with the flesh and you're giving in to the flesh and you're just like game over to the flesh... You might need a reset. Because maybe what you did is you come into the place and you learned how to do the thing, but you never met Jesus. Because if you're flesh and spirit, that's a battle. If you're flesh, game over, right? If you're not in the battle, maybe it's because you're still dead. And that was for free this morning. I don't even really 100% know where that came from. But what I know this morning is Jesus lived a perfect life. And he still had to use words. I'll never be perfect. And if he had to use words in his perfection, then if I'm going to share the gospel, I'm eventually going to have to speak up. But here we have Jesus who is walking around and he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. And I just want to make that just short for us. What Jesus was doing, he was saying, hey, a Savior's here. I I get that you're lost. I get that you're trapped in sin. I get some of you guys are religious and some of you guys are not religious. I get that. I get that you feel like you're a mess, but I want you to know the kingdom of God is here. God's not waiting for you to figure out how to get to him. God came to you. And today that's still true. The kingdom of God is this message that you're a hopelessly dead sinner, but there is an amazing Savior that stepped down into this place and he died in your place. Maybe in this it's future tense, I'm going to die. But today looking back on it, Jesus did die in our place to make a way, not that we could come to church. I'm thankful for church, I am. I need to meet with God with the people of God. But this is not what Jesus died for. So we can come sit in a chair and sing some songs. And if that's what you think, man, I'm sorry. That's just, it's wrong. It's so much more than that. Jesus didn't die so we could come like listen to somebody talk for an hour once a week. But Jesus died to make a way that people like me, just filthy rags, could could step into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. He came to make a way that people like me had a hope that went beyond a hole in the ground, that we could actually be in this place, but when we leave this place, go to be with him. He came to restore relationship. He came to reconcile, to take people who were sinners and against God and bring them back into fellowship and agreement with God. And when Jesus came to this planet, he wasn't shy about that message. The kingdom of God is near. (laughs) The kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is found in the person of Jesus. And the good news is 
you're dead, but you don't have to be that way forever. He says that Jesus came and he taught in all the synagogues and he was preaching this good news of the kingdom. Jesus came to save. It's what he did. Amen. Jesus came to save. It's what he did. That's when you say amen. I'm just going to keep doing it until you do it. So you get to pick how long you're here. Um, Jesus came to save. That's just truth this morning. He didn't like get subjected to the cross. He came to do the cross, right? He signed off on the thing. The, the word of God says that he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before he ever created us, he already decided, I will die. Jesus came to save. And I just want to say this morning to those of us that don't know him, that's what he came for. You don't have to live in that place. He came to save. He came to save you, and he came to save me. He came to save hopelessly dead sinners and change us into sons and daughters of God. That's the good news. That's the essence of what he did, that we could have a relationship with God, that we could live beyond this place with him. But I love this after this. He didn't just come. That would have been enough, right? Thank you, Jesus. But it says that he came... And he preached the good news of the kingdom, but he also did this. And healing every disease and every sickness. Man, I love that Jesus came to save. That's the starting place, right? He didn't just come to like save us and dump us till the rapture or death, right? But he came to do something else. He came to heal. Jesus came to take care of our spiritual needs, but he also came to take care of our physical needs. He came to heal, and I love it. He says he went to all the towns and synagogues, and he healed every disease and every sickness. Now, I don't know that that means he literally healed every person, but what I do know it means is that he literally healed every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. What I'm saying to you today is Jesus came to heal, and nothing is out of the realm of possibility with him every disease every sickness is open to him i'm not saying that just physical diseases by the way what i'm saying is jesus came to heal us he came to heal me and he came to heal you that's a message to the lost and the church there today some of you guys were like i mean i'm already saved so i just i ignored the first half of the message but i just want to bring you back in for a moment because what i want you to know is jesus didn't just come to save you and dump you till the rapture or death he came to heal you And that's not, just like salvation, I'll be honest, some of us get in our heads that salvation is this one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. I need to be saved from me every single day. I need to be saved to eternity one time, but for for me, I need to be saved from me every day. I need a Savior today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But here's the truth. We all need a healer. Every single one of us needs a healer because here's the reality. I lived years without Jesus. And I still live moments without him. I've dug myself into a pit and I've dug myself into a mess. And I just want you to know sometimes I still do that. And today what my heart needs is healing. 
Some of us think that Jesus came to save us and eternity, yes, is going to be good, but I have to live in the weight of my guilt and my shame forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I have to live in the weight of I'm not worth anything forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I have to live in this place, this tension between I'm still here and I'm not really worth anything and I just don't want God to know. I don't want God to notice. I don't want God to see that. I'm just going to live kind of in the shadow, in the background and wait for eternity because I don't want God to realize he actually accidentally got me and if I'm honest today there's some of you that feel that way right you feel so unworthy of God's love and so unloved can I say today Jesus came to save and to heal he didn't accidentally save you it's what he left heaven to do but today other than salvation what maybe you need is healing And Jesus came to do that. Some of you maybe need healing from sin, right? I'm not going to do the survey this morning because I know that we're liars and we'd have to raise our hand because of that. (laughs) But if I said, who deals with sin today? Who feels beaten down by sin today? Who feels destroyed by sin today? There would be several of us that had to honestly raise our hands, right? Like, I feel like I live in sin and I'm suffocated by it and I just can't get out of it. Can I just say, nothing's out of the realm of possibility today with God. That he came to heal every kind of sickness and disease. And sin is a sickness. Some of us live under the weight of guilt today, don't we? Maybe maybe it's, it's that sin that happens, but what crushes us is maybe not the suffocating sin, but the guilt after the sin, right? I'm living in guilt and shame. I feel so unworthy. I feel so unloved. I feel like I'm in a place so far from God. And we allow guilt and shame to keep us away from God. And I just want to say today, God came to save, but he also came to heal. He wants to start repairing some of those wounds that you've inflicted on yourself. Some of those moments where you've told yourself, I'm not worth anything. Or you've let somebody else tell you, you're not worth anything. God came to heal those moments too. And if we're honest today about our guilt and our shame, some of us need healing from that because we got deep wounds that we're still putting on ourselves. See, Jesus came to heal every kind of sickness and disease and guilt and shame, man. They are sicknesses and diseases that don't drive us to God. They drive us away. Look back at the garden, right? Adam ate the fruit and he realized he was naked and he was, for the first time, ashamed. He felt shame. And what did he do? In the shame, he hid from God. Or he thought he did. That's a farce, by the way. You can't hide from God. God sees you exactly where you are, and he knows everything about you. It says that in our word that our God knows the number of the hairs on our head. He intimately knows us in a way that he even knows. I have 927 hairs or whatever it is. It's not many. But that's our God. That's our God. And a God that knows you well enough that he knows every hair on your head, knows everything you did yesterday and everything you did the day before. And I'll be honest, beyond that, knows everything you didn't do because you talked yourself out of it, but your heart thought about. God sees everything about us. He sees the hurt. Some of you need healing from hurt and you're trying to hold on to hurt. You're trying to keep your hurt and you feel like you deserve your hurt. So you're just trying to shelter and coddle that hurt. And God today wants to take your hurt. Our God heals of every kind of sickness and disease. And God today wants to come in and he wants to take your hurt away. He doesn't want you to babysit that hurt anymore. He wants to take that hurt from you. Our God came to save, but he also came to heal. Amen. 
He wants to heal every disease and every sickness. And some of those are spiritual things and some of those are physical things. But what I know is our God is a healer. And I know it because a God is healing me. I will say this. Some of you expect to come down and you expect to pray a prayer one time and God just to vacuum all that mess up at one time. But I just want to say this to you. A mess that took you 30 years to get in is going to take God more than 30 seconds to clean up. If you need healing, you need healing today, but you also need it tomorrow, and you need it the next day, and you need it the next day, and you need it the next day, and you're going to need it forever. Because guess what? Sin is a stubborn sickness. Shame and guilt, they are a stubborn sickness. Worthlessness, it is a stubborn sickness. Hurt is a stubborn sickness, and they're going to try to fight and claw their way back in. They're going to try to creep back into your life. And here's what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to think that God, you you said this prayer, and he saved you, and he's left you to fend for yourself for the rest of your life. But he wants to say to you today, I'm still the same God that went to every town. I'm still the same God who's big enough for the big things. But I want you to know today, I'm still the God that went to every village. I'm a God who really, really cares about your small things. And I want you to know the same God that in Matthew 9 called a man named Levi, who was the worst kind of sinner, and said, follow me, step into salvation, step into a relationship with me. I'm still that same God today. I don't count people out because their history. I'm way more concerned about their future than I am their past. I'm that God. I just want you to hear that today. Some of you guys are living in your past and you're beating yourself up over your past. And I just want you to hear that. God declares a future over you. God will let you leave yesterday and step into tomorrow. Maybe horrible things have happened back there, but I just want you to know God's pushing you forward, not back. If you're having to go back and revisit six years ago, it's not the voice of God that's taking you there. Because when he stepped into Levi's life, he said, let me just tell you something. You used to be a tax collector and you used to be the worst kind of sinner. But brother, I'm changing everything about you. They're not even going to call you Levi anymore. Your name's now Matthew because you're completely new. Your yesterday's gone because salvation is here. He wants you to know today that he's still the same God that can take a woman who, who's had an issue of blood for 12 years, who's spent every dollar trying to repair that issue, who's went to every doctor, who's tried everything. Anybody feel like that? I've tried everything. I've been to this. I've seen this person. I've went over here. He's still the same God that can walk into somebody's life who's tried everything. And say, maybe nobody else had the power to heal you, but I want you to know today, I have the power to heal you. I can heal you in in a way that's going to get you beyond tomorrow. I can permanently take away your sin and your shame and your guilt if you'll give it to me. I can permanently remove that coddled, babysat hurt if you let me have it. I'll take everything you got. I'll take all the bad because what I want for you is good. He says, I'm still the same God. I'm still the same God that right after I get up from that, I'm actually going to walk over here to this person that's dead and I'm going to say, get up, and they're going to get up. I'm still the same God today who can call people out of death into life. That's what Jesus would say to you today. He's still the same God. He's not less powerful now because he's sitting on a throne in heaven. 
He doesn't care less about you today because it's 2,000 years removed from when he walked on this planet. He says, I can still walk into your tomb today. Maybe you are hopelessly dead sinners. Maybe that's you. But I just want you to know today, I can walk into the tomb today and I can resurrect you just like God resurrected me. I have, I have an empty tomb story for you. I'm still that same God. I'm still the same God who, 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 can, who can go to two people who have never seen before and open their eyes. Maybe you've lived down here and you thought you saw, right? There's some of us, and I, I believe we get into this. I believe that's true. Who've grown up into the church. We've been in church like our whole life. We've been in this deal, and maybe we even prayed this prayer, but we know in our hearts that we've never seen Jesus, and we try to just talk ourselves into it all the time, right? I can't go up there because what they're going to think. I can't, I can't do the thing because what people might say. I just want you to know it doesn't matter today what people say. It just matters what Jesus says, and Jesus today can open your eyes. Some of you guys have been looking for Jesus and looking for Jesus and looking looking for Jesus and you show up every week and you're looking for Jesus and I just want you to know today it doesn't matter what yesterday brought our God is the God who who everything is possible for and today he can open your eyes he's still the same God and this is maybe a little risky but he visited a man at the end of this story who had a demon and he cast it out I just want you to know today, uh, I'm not talking about like a physical demon. I'm talking about today, some of you guys have a past and you have demons in the closet, as people would say, right? Like there's, there's some issues and there's some things back there. And I want you to know today, our God's still the God who will cast out the demon of yesterday so that we can live in tomorrow. Our God is still the God who, who, who doesn't really give a darn, right, about your history because he will put a but God story in your story. Our God is still the same God who will lift you up out of what you were and, ch- and change you into what he wants you to be. That's still the same God. And he, this is what he came for. He came to save and to heal. And nothing is out of the realm of possibility with God. I just want to say that again because I believe today, I believe that. I don't, I don't know where we are, but I believe that because I know that in me. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility with our God. Our God is the God who breathed out the universe, people. Our God is the God with no blueprints, no plans, spoke everything we know into existence. That's our God. And if he can do that, what I know today is nothing is out of the realm of possibility with our God. If he can take somebody like me, hopelessly lost, hopelessly dead sinner, who, by the way, was raised in church, And call into my tomb and into my darkness and call me out into life and marvelous light. I believe it for you. I have to because I've seen it in me. So I could could call out issues all day long, couldn't I? You need healing from this. Here's the reality. You already know. And I just want to say today that if our God is the God of the, this page that says, I can heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, he can bring healing to you today. Yeah. I just feel like I want to deposit this in this moment. Some of you guys um, got a physical deal going on, right? 
something physical actually going on. I believe our God heals physically. I, I do believe that. I've seen him do it. But I just want to put it this way to you because I know that just as many of us have prayed, God, you heal this person and, and, and God seems to have not come through. I'm going I'm to tell a personal story, but I know you got personal stories. I, my papa had cancer. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get through this story, but I'm going to try. And we prayed daily, God, just heal him. And for maybe six months, I actually watched him not be healed. At least not that I could see. But our page does not stop when we leave this planet for those of us that know Jesus. And I just want to say that maybe you've prayed that and you're so hurt at God that he didn't do that. God, I trusted you, I believed, I had faith. But I just want to say that God's plan is not always to heal this body, but sometimes just to give us a new one. And I know that here, um, he was not healed, and you, you've experienced the same story. But man, he's healed in a way that he, that we couldn't even have imagined and walks with God now. Our God is the God who heals every disease and sickness. And for some of us, those those diseases that we're going to struggle with and in for the rest of our existence here. But I encourage you to struggle. If God doesn't take it, he's left it for a reason. There's a man named Paul, right, wrote most of the New Testament, and he, he writes some words like this. There's a thorn in my flesh, and I've prayed over and over again that you removed it, but you won't. You read that? Something's poking me in my skin. It's an annoyance. It's an issue. Who knows what it is? He didn't get specific. It doesn't matter. But he says this. He said, but God, you showed me in that thorn in my flesh that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Maybe God allows some of us to struggle with things to see his strength, not rely on ours. Our God is the God who heals every disease and sickness. And I believe that with everything in me. I believe some of you guys have heartache that God can take away. I believe some of you guys have hurt and God will take it away. I believe some of you guys have sin and struggles and shame and guilt and God will take that away. Because our God is that kind of God. He came to save and to heal. It says in 36, when he, look, we didn't even get that far. When he, being Jesus, saw the crowds. I love this word, saw. This is not like a took notice of, but a stared deeply or intently at kind of saw. When he stared at intently the crowds, when he stared deeply at the crowds, He didn't just see a building full of people, a town full of people, a village full of people. He saw you and me, a group of people like us, right? Every person that's human deals with these same things we talked about this morning. A group of people that deal with sins and deal with struggles and deal with pride and deal with shame and deal with hurt and deal with heartache and deal with brokenness. A group of people just like us. 
he looked at these people, and I just want you to know that none of these people got lost in the crowd. He saw each and every one of them individually. This is the God who intimately knows us enough that he knows the number of our hairs on our head. And I just want you to know this morning, if God's looking at this crowd today, you're not lost in it. God sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your struggles. He sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. It's not, here's the church people. It's, here's me, and God sees me. There's no way you're here by accident today. There's no way that this is just happenstance that you walked into this room today and this is the message. If God's speaking to you this morning, it's because before you woke up and knew you were coming, God was preparing this. It says that he looked at the crowds. He saw the crowds. He saw us. He saw you. He saw me. And he saw everything we'd ever done and everything that we are. There's no hiding from God. But instead of feeling the need to destroy or to harm or to crush or abandon, this is what he felt. It says he felt compassion for them. And God's staring into this room today. I don't know where you are and I don't know what you're carrying. We're all carrying something. I just want you to know today, God doesn't look at you with the desire to harm or abandon you. That God still feels the same way. He feels compassion. This is what compassion means. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow, sadness, for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Can you imagine that? Jesus goes to all these towns and villages and he sees people with all kinds of histories, all kinds of past, all kinds of present. Living in things that maybe we would blush to talk about some of us. Dealing with things that maybe we think is only us in the room today. Dealing with hurt and heartache maybe that we cause or other people cause. Dealing with shame and guilt and sin maybe that other people have participated in or maybe that's just us. And what he feels towards you today and what he feels towards me today, because we're all in the same boat, right? It's compassion, this feeling of sympathy or sorrow. God looks at you and it breaks his heart in what we're living in right now. It breaks his heart that we're hurting. It breaks his heart that we're living in this fallen world. It's not how he created it, people. We're living in a product of what sin has done. This is not the perfection God has created. It's just the sin that he came to save us from. Because he sees where we're living and he sees what we're living in and it breaks his heart. And he has this strong desire. I love it. He has a strong desire to alleviate or to take away our suffering. Why did God leave heaven? That. 
Why did Jesus step down into this place? Compassion. Why did Jesus live a perfect life when it would have been easy not to? Compassion. Why did Jesus climb up on a cross? Why did Jesus take nails? Why did Jesus take a crown of thorns? Why did Jesus, God in flesh, deity in humanity, why did he allow himself to be beaten without calling angels down to just wipe everybody out? Why did he do that? Because he has compassion because he sees what we're living in. He sees the hurt and he sees the struggle and he sees the heartache and he has a strong desire this morning to do something about it. I don't know why you've went through what you've went through. I don't know why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. But I can tell you something. I don't have anywhere near the sorrow that Jesus does for you. And I don't have anywhere near the ability to do anything about it that he does. But I know that he has a strong desire to today. It says he felt compassion for them because, here it is, they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. The problem is not that you're evil, bad people today. The problem is not that we're all a mess today. The problem is that today, without Jesus, we're all living on our own without direction, without God. We were intended to live with God. He was our compass. He was our protection. And we've been separated from that. And God wants to do something about that today. For some of you today, maybe that is salvation. Maybe you just, you've never, you've never given your life to Jesus. And I'll just be honest, God will heal you, but it all starts at the cross. You are never going to be healed here physically until you've been healed spiritually that's what jesus came for jesus came to crush sin to crush death and to give us life in that same moment he came to give us healing and help and hope he came to take those broken pieces off of us and make them into something glorious that's the god that we're talking about today I just want to ask you this. Are you tired of living in what you're living in? He says they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Not a better offer today. Are you tired of living in what you've been living in? Are you tired of letting sin rule your life? Are you tired of letting shame and guilt trample you down? Are you tired of of babysitting that hurt? Are you tired of feeling like you're not worth anything? Are you tired of that? Are you tired of trying everything else and being let down over and over and over again? Are you tired of that? Are you tired of that today? And if you are today, I just want to point you to a man named Jesus who cares about the big things and the little things, who came to save and who came to heal. And today, maybe for some of you, it is salvation. You're like, that's me. I need salvation. I need a Savior. Man, that's amazing. Hallelujah. Amen. I will celebrate with you. And for some of you today, you're like, I've been saved, but I'm just living in a mess. I'm living in maybe a self-made mess or maybe just a mess that I'm letting be heaped on me from my history. Jesus wants to heal you from that. And he can and he will today, and I know that. How you know that? I believe it for me because I've seen it. And if he'd do it for me, I'm a nobody. He'll do it for you. 
If that's you today, I just want to, in just a minute, we're going to pray about that. But there's maybe, I don't actually believe there's another group of us here, but I'm going to give you an out anyway. I believe we all deal with hurt. I believe we all struggle. Anybody? But if you're one of the none of us that do. This is this in 37. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant. You know why it's abundant? Because everybody is lost without Jesus. You know why it's abundant? Because everybody's hurting. There's something blowing up in everybody's life today. There's some hurt down there. There's some pain down there. There's some sin down there. There's some shame down there. There's some guilt down there. And you may hide it from me, but you'll never hide it from God. He looks at his disciples and he says, man, the harvest is abundant. Then he says this, the workers are few. I love what he says next because look what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, why don't you go work? Does he? He doesn't say, why don't you go do something about it, does he? He says, can you see it? Do you see the harvest out there? Do you see? You know why I think he didn't include them? They were part of the harvest. Levi was a tax collector. Ministering to people that he'd hurt. He needed healing. Peter was a man that was going to pronounce Jesus Messiah and then immediately rebuke him for his plan. God, I don't like what you chose. God, I don't like what you picked out. I don't, I don't like your way. He needed healing. Thomas was a man standing there who, after the death of Jesus that he talked about, by the way, and after the resurrection was going to look at all the other disciples and say, I'm not going to believe. Oh yeah, I know, I've been around it, but I'm not, ch- not going to choose to believe it till I can see it. He needed healing. So this is what he says. He says, man, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. You know why today he didn't say go harvest? He said pray to the Lord of the harvest because we are the same harvest. Man, we're a building full of people in hurt today and what we need is God to heal our hurt. And then when God heals us, man, then we're equipped to step into people's life with hope and truth and say, you know what? I believe in a God. I believe in a God who can save. You know why? Because I've been saved. I've seen it. I was hopelessly separated from God. This is who I was. I was Levi, but today, praise be to God, my name is not Levi anymore. I was a tax collector and I cheated people, but praise be to God, I'm not that anymore. He changed me. And if he can change me, he's got a name for you. Oh man, I looked at God's plan and I said, I hate your plan. Hate your stupid plan. That used to be me. I I was in the church. I was in the inner circle. Man, I was doing the thing, but I secretly hated the plan of God. Oh, but he healed me. And now I can say with confidence, oh, your ways are better than my ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. All things are not good, but all things work together for the good of those that love God. He's healed me, and I believe today he can heal you. 
Man, it'd be great if we were harvesters, but if we're going to harvest, we first have to be healed. And today God's saying to every person in this place, you don't hold it back from me anymore. Are you tired of harboring sin? Are you tired of it? Let it go. Put it in the hands of God. And then tomorrow, choose to put it in the hands of God. And then the next day, choose to put it in the hands of God. And the next day, choose to put it in the hands of God. You harbor in shame? Are you tired of feeling like you're worthless? Come and give it to me. And tomorrow, when the devil says you're worthless, give it to me again. And then give it to me again. And then give it to me again. I didn't come one time to be a savior in one moment and just drop you off. Every day I want to save you from you. And every day I want to heal the hurt if you'll just give it to me. That's what it is to be saved. It's not a one moment thing, people. It's an everyday thing. That's what it means to repent. It's not a one moment thing. It's an every moment thing. And God's calling us into that today. God, change our perspective. God, so many of us think we're going to do big things for you, but if we're going to do big things for you, we first need you to do big things in us. God, we're not asking that you make us perfect. We're never going to be perfect. God, we're actually asking that you let us see our imperfections. So God, today for every person in the room, I'm praying this. That God, you would just open our hearts to the hurt so that we could lay it in your hands and be healed.